Having ventured into Argentina to answer a call for help from the villain is their purpose. Our heroes sneak into a military train on its way to Patagonia. A far-right militia seeks to seize the train, and our heroes have to work alongside Luna and Astra, two Argentinian superheroes, to save the day. There's like Robert Lally and Charles Mang, content warning, violence, restraining, and fascists. So the scene opens and we have the train that is stopped. You see a bunch of trucks and jeeps coming in your direction. Luna and Astra are with you. There is also another group of fascists of the Karakimadas inside the train. And uh, let's start with whom? I guess Highwaymen makes sense unless someone has an idea. Then they could be the one taking the first action. Well, then, I don't have my bike in this one, so, I mean, like, I do have it, but it's not really the most accessible it's ever been. Yeah, because, like, I I don't have the same mobility that y'all do if I don't have that, so, yeah, I'm going to do that first. Sonny's going to try and get the bike into a usable. Boy, the phrase, handoff dipshit highwayman, is not... Okay, so uh, Highwayman, you're going to have to turn, you're going to get your back. So probably that's going to be, I don't know, creative boost or any other action that you want to do. You do that as part of movement as you move through the train to get to your back. That seems right. Also, we haven't healed up since that first confrontation on the airship, right? Well, yeah, you did not take a break to do that. Right. Okay. I was just double checking. Could I sell you on load as as my thing here? I know my signature weapon is typically the sniper rifle, but the bike is also kind of a signature part of my kit. Yeah, I think that can be the boost is that uh, the parts that uh, they are all replaceable and assembled that you basically you call on them on advance now and uh, you get your kit ready. So load could represent that to create the two boosts. Okay, um, so I uh, create one bonus using my max and another using my mid. Okay, I got an eight on my max die and a five on my mid. Okay, so that's a plus three and a plus two boost. So what are the boosts that you create and describe as you reach out to your equipment as it gets ready? I'm going to say that the plus three, we're going to call that one good thinking in the sense that I think I took special care to make sure that the bike was loaded up in such a way that I could basically very easily disengage it have it ready plus two let's call that and one more thing we'll just kind of that'll be just sort of a floating thing that uh, not necessarily like other people could use theoretically all of our all of our kits and supplies and everything just kind of in, like set up in such a way that anybody could access that if they needed to i did that tactics thing where i thought ahead that's what i did as you move to that just in time as you slide across the train you get that and you see Five people wearing black uniforms and covered faces as they are turning around crates of equipment and arming themselves with the guns. And uh, they are too dangerously close to your bike. So who do you hand off initiative to? I am going to hand off to Bezerkir because I feel like they are probably very well suited to act on this turn, I think. I'm going to boost all the allies so, signature weapon, magical lore, and a D8. Okay, they're getting some boosts on the table here. Highwayman, Astra, Luna, and John Doe. 
Iron Man just left nearby. That's the thing. Oh, he left nearby. Okay, never mind. He doesn't get it then. Yeah. So it's will be Luna Astra, uh, and you and John Doe get the boost. What what's seven again? It's a plus two. So what do you name the boost that the, everyone gets? Favor from the gods. There we go. Okay. Add it to the pile. How do you give up initiative two? I'm going to give it up to powered fascist because I don't want a big string of bad guys going after us. Okay. So from the front of one of the trucks, you see someone come out and uh, they remove their uh, sunglasses and they start shooting laser blasts at you as another one just takes flight and just throws themselves across the train trying to keep you off balance by wrecking your carriage so it's gonna be an attack and a hinder so so the attack who is the most visible of the four of you because you went to the top of the train Highwayman went down to get the bike Berserkid is... Yeah, Berserkid is doing the shiny thing, so Berserkid is going to be the most visible. I was going to say, I'm also probably the biggest target. <laughs> okay, so you're going to get the attack. So that's five coming your way from the laser blasts. And that's going to be a minus two to John Doe from being off balance. Who they hand off to? So you, you, you can control Luna and Aster. I don't control them, so if you need them to do something, let's just give it to Shundo. So I have, and I have a plus two from Berserk here. And a minus two from wrecking the carriage. There's one thing we can say about Shundo, it's that he punches people in the face. So, superpowered fascists start shooting lasers at the train. After the train stops rocking, John runs, jumps off the top, is just going to give the laser beam shooting monster a punch in the face. I'm going to be using opening blow, which lets me use my max strength die. Close combatant in my status. I got a 10. Which power again? Close combatant, my uh, opening blow, which lets me use the max of my strength. Okay, so describe as you go out, you go out of the train, meet with the incoming tracks and wreck their shit. I'm not even going to roll. Because they're gonna fail this, they're gonna get a downgrade. So, like I said, John Doe sees the lasers, runs, uses his superpower jumping. It probably like leaves a dent on the metal train car. And just as the laser guy is turning to look at him with his red eyes, John Doe just right, just right jabs him in the face. Comes out in a roll on the other side of him and just looks up nervously because uh, John Doe knows this is date. This guy's got laser vision, but. At least he stopped shooting at the train cars that could be full of explosives because they were transporting military supplies. Yeah, who do you hand off to? I guess I'll hand off to Astra and Luna left. So I'll hand off to Astra. So what do all do you want Astra to do? Have Astra make a boost. To whom? Uh, to Luna, just to counteract the fact that they both have a minus two right now. Uh, no, only John Doe has the minus two. Oh, oh, well then. Which you no longer have because it was at the boost and the hinder. 
Excellent. Well, then I'm going to still create the boost, so that way when Luna uses her attack in a moment, she'll get a bigger one. So that will be a seven. That will be a plus two boost. Luna seems to be concentrating on something. Astra starts hovering over the crumbling train car, and she makes a fast hand wave and you can see a lot of broken shards and debris clearing away and it forms some kind of uh, an exposition cabinet of every single component that was destroyed or was part of the car that is organized around Luna as I've giving her ammunition to whatever she is going to do next. So, gonna be a boost called Cabinet of Creation plus two for Luna. And she's gonna hand off to Luna. May I was gonna have her attack the dipshits. The dipshits are on the other area, but I think I have a solution for that. Let's do this. So, Highwayman, you are next to your uh, bike. You have five of the militiamen around you. You have the mouse bingos with you. And uh, you hear Deck uh, tapping Morse code by the mouse on your shoulder. I, I, I do. And you see a shard of metal just blast through the door separating the car where the others were and this car. And you can see through the hole, you can see a sweating Luna as she forms a fist and the the shards of heated metal, they coalesce in a small tank and Bingus jumps through the air, lands on the tank and starts blasting towards the fascists. So that's nine damage. So again, uh, one of them is just gone. <laughs> so. Sick. So you end up to next. Let's go to Deep Chips. So there are four of you, uh, four Deep Chips on the train, and two gonna attack Highwayman, and the other two gonna attack Luna. Well, true proxy of attacking Bingus. Sorry, is the mouse's name Bingus? Yes. Excellent. Love it. Three and six damage are coming your way. Sam, wait. That yellow ability you have that you never have the opportunity to use. Ambush awareness. Oh, fuck, yes. <laughs> okay, I would like to do that, please. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Brad. It's a four. I defend with four. Four and three. So you take three in damage from this. Alrighty. It's not great, but it's definitely better. Yeah, and uh, so how many are coming towards Bingus? Six plus two are coming towards Bingus on his little tank. If anyone hurts this mouse, I will. I will riot and destroy this podcast. So protect the rat. It specifically calls out another hero in the yellow or red zone, so I don't know if... Are you saying Bingus is not a hero? Don't you fucking dare say this mouse is not a hero. I'm saying that I don't know how how the red zone and yellow zone work for minions, sidekicks, and kind of stuff like that. Yeah. Bingus is a war hero. Oh, I'm not trying to discredit Bingus. I'm more trying to discredit that me. Yeah, they don't have zones, so you cannot use against them. So they start shooting towards you, and as you take for cover after a grazing hit, 
as you are, you know, you know you were exactly where you're coming. The thing is, just as Bingus is sitting on top of their tank, still smoking, as a fascist falls off the train, the fascists, one of them just throws a grenade and the rat goes, oh no, and scares away towards the highwayman as the little tank explodes. So Looney is now at the D6. I don't know, Highwayman. Yeah, he, Highwayman's always a good choice. I'd always rely on him. I mean, he's there on the scene, so... Highwayman is on the scene is my new catchphrase. Okay, so we've got the hyper-fascist and the various dipshits, and those are our opponents here. Mm, yeah. Hey. The dipshits are just to separate from the other dipshits that are the fascists. Gotcha. I would... I had Spanish names, but I figured the message will not come across. I mean, it might. I know some Spanish. Well, you don't know if the audience does. <laughs> Spanish is a tone-based language. It's all in how you say. Mm, that's fair. Man, I can use all of my yellow abilities now, which is so exciting for me. I never get to do all this. I'm going to use area alteration. I want to stop all of the dipshits. I want to make them... I want to give them a bad time. So I'm going to... Transmute the ground under them into quicksand, I guess. Well, whatever remains of the train car, you know, a grenade just exploded inside. There was the walls were double penetrated. <laughs> you have a lot to work with. Yeah, actually. OK, so wait, if they're inside the train, I've got confused. I thought we were on the ground. If they're inside the train, I want to just turn the floor into like putty or something gross. Just like goo, just goo that they like tar. I wanted, to, I wanted to be tar that they get stuck in. That's my transmutation ability. Yeah, go for it. I'm gonna use veteran, and so that's three d8s, and I use my max die. Okay, so what is the hinder name? Goo. Uh, how about goo? Yes, please. It's that. That's it. That's the one. It's that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No dignity to fascists. No. I hate the way that's typed. Uh, well, you're welcome. You started this. So who do you hand off to? Yeah, no, it's great. I'm going to give it to, I think, to Astra. So what do you want Astra to do? I want them to team up and go after the dipshits so we can kind of just get them off the board so that basically everybody's just dogpiling this hyper-fascist. Okay, so just a planet deck or something else? Do they have boosts available to them? I believe Astra, no, Luna. No, Astra has no boosts or hinders. Luna has a plus two. Yeah. Yeah, I guess just regular attacks. I just want them to kind of knock these dudes off the table. So. Yeah, while well, they are hindered. Right. Because, um, yeah, while, they, while, while they're hindered and these, these ones have boosts. You said Astra doesn't have a boost. If, if she wants to take uh, and one more thing that the boost I, didn't, I made and, and didn't use the plus two, she is welcome to it. You can see that Luna is getting tired. Is she just did a major effort getting the tank, moving the components across the train, and then helping Bingus escape. And you can see Aster flying on top of the train. She just does a barrel roll to the side and enters through the hole left by the exploding grenade and she just dunks on one of the Karakemadas with the telekinesis empowered fist and just throws him through the wall so it's one last deep shit so who should go next 
Okay, maybe have Luna go and then power flash instead. Okay, so Luna sees Astra going right into the melee, throwing the ships around, and when the dust clears, there are three deep ships with their guns pointed towards Astra, and Luna just shouts a no, and uh, Bingus just screeches in ratty panic. Luna makes the goo that is all around the place just fly towards one of the fascists and buries one of the fascist dipshits under goo. So there are two dipshits left. Not the power fascists. So the guy with the laser eyes, how do you have uh, him peanut down, John Doe? John Doe's got like his knee on his chest and is just give up. This is going to hurt a lot worse if you don't give up. He tries to push your weight with a laser blast to your chest, and while it hurts, it does not have concussive force to actually push you away. So that's one damage coming your way. That absolute fool just dealt enough damage to switch me into the yellow zone. (laughs) (laughs) He just finished burning off your sweater. My ripped blazer is gone. Now I'm back to simply John Doe in a tank top, which is more powerful. On the tactical clothing damage. Exactly. And then does he pass it to me? I know that is the flying brick fascist. Oh, well, fuck him. So the flying brick fascist, it's no longer a train cart after what happened there. So there are two wrecked train cars, but... He takes one of the middle cars, grabs it, and swings it against Huataka dipshits this turn. Both Luna, Astra, and Highwayman. Highwayman did not attack, I think. Highwayman hindered. Yeah, yeah, it's not an attack action. The twins attacked. I just made some I just made some delicious kubu. Gulu. Okay, so it's gonna be an attack against Astra. Yeah, and uh, he picks one of the middle train cars, lifts it, grain spilling from both directions, gives it a spin and throws it right where the goo shard grenade smoke mess is and dipshits and the motorcycle and highwayman and bingers move away in time, leaving only Luna and Astra, and uh, they hold hands and focus together, and for a precious moment, Astra is able to create a telekinetic shield just enough to deflect the train with cart, and it moves a few meters with the spin before halting sideways with swamp water floating the battlefield on top of the goo and the spilled grain and the debris and god knows what swamp water is my favorite energy drink from florida isn't that how you channel florida man thank you for asking uh as the native floridian on this call yes it is we can get into sort of the dark rituals a little bit later but yes you are that's the short version yeah, gonna give it to Borzaki that has not done much except giving massive boosts to people. 
okay, I want to know what Berserker's reaction is at all the things that just have happened. When Berserker last went, there was still an intact train. Now three cars were being destroyed. I got to roll first to see if this works because where berserk here is right now is there right above the flying fascist about to pounce but let's see how this goes i'm using frontline fighting that's four damage coming at them as berserk here shouts big mistake and just lands on top uh the powered fascist that's flying okay so now they must attack you and uh, let's see the save they did not save, so tell us how you managed to hurt them. They try and resist with their flying powers, but Berserkir's power density control or whatever they're combining with this just crushes them to the ground. So they're they're grounded for now, and like they gotta fight off Berserkir to get back up. Do handoff too? Well, John Doe. John Doe has lost his last layer of weighted clothing. He sees Berserkir land on top of the flying fascist, and he looks down at the one he's got pinned and just, okay, you want to play rough? That's fine. And he yells back, Berserkir, hold yours up! And John Doe has his on his fascist's chest, and so he grabs the dude by the shirt, rolls onto his own back, and kicks his fascist at the other fascist. Which is to say, in long form, I'm going to be using my Here's Your Friend back, which is when I attack using Leaping, and whatever they roll to defend with, they deal a damage. Uh, they are not minions. My day's ruined. I'm going home. Well, then fine. I'm going to cash in one of my plus one bonuses, and Flavor is using Odds Are Still Against You, so I'm just going to attack twice. Okay, go for it. Hit one for I hit mine for five, and the other one for six. Yeah, and they are both pretty hurt. You just wreck them. You just put them through a ball in, of pain as they roll into the marshlands. The Carpinchos just circle around them as if nothing has happened. I thought you were going to say, like, hungry sharks, and I was about to be very afraid of... <laughs> <laughs> no, angry, angry Carpinchos. Then to start the next round, I'm going to hand it off to Highwayman. From downtown. Okay, so real quick. What's the layout of everybody right now? Train has been utterly destroyed. The fascists are in goo. Are you still punching the laser fascists? Uh, No, I threw him at his friend. Excellent. As is the John Doe brand. Would it be accurate to say that him and his friend are sort of in a bundle right now? They are, and they're in the water, surrounded by uh, carpinchos, or capybaras, if you are familiar with the strange North American insistence on labeling them all the same thing. I okay. Well, I was gonna attack the water. I was gonna just sort of like electrocute it, but I can't. Those are one of my favorite animals. I can't do that. <laughs> I have a terrible idea. I'm gonna keep the goo rolling, and I'm gonna turn one of the guy's costumes into goo, so they're stuck together. I'm gonna attack using transmutation and hinder the same target using my minimum die, so that they're stuck together. Okay, go for it. I want them to drown. That's the dumbest idea I've had all day, and I'm very excited about it. Well, I rolled an eight for the attack. The three is the hinder on the same target. Yeah, that's double the damage. One of them is knockout, and the other one has unconscious friend minus one. 
Sick. Yeah, so who you hand off to? Who hasn't acted yet in this round? <laughs> Pretty much most people. I'll go ahead and give it to dipshit. Get them out of the way. Uh, we still have two dipshits. They saw one of their superhero supports. Well, it really is hero with genocidal fascist militia that don't know that they have lost and they are all just doing that cult stuff. Uh, so they saw that their superpowers support is getting knocked down and they gonna try to do a bit of chaos as they cover their street as the trucks are still approaching. One of them is gonna attack Harriman, the other gonna throw a grenade. So that's three damage coming Harriman way and that's a minus two hinder smoke grenade to the people in this zone. So anyone does anything about that three damage? So whatever they do, Berserkir, they will interpose themselves between that and Highwayman. Step in, stand in the way of bullets, DM is a clip and nothing. So who's next? I guess gonna go to Power Fascist because they're not gonna do much else. So it's still super powered. It's still a flying brick house, but its super strength still make them move themselves, dragging their unconscious friend from the go. The capybara, they clear port as they come out of the marshland and they, growling, rush towards Berserkir, a mass of two fascists, black armor covered in goo, just rolling in fury as it shouts Pelotudo and just crashes against Berserkir. Let's see how disappointing this is. Okay, so yeah, that's two damage. But, uh, you know, considering the momentum, it's quite impressive. It's not doing anything. How is Berserkir shredding off this ball of misguided hate? I think it's the old adage, the old trope of just colliding. They got their hands on my axe and my axe is... And we're just kind of pushing against each other as he just pushes me through the train into whatever's behind the train. I don't know. I, I forget. We're, there's uh, there's a cliff behind the train. There's swamp on the other side, I guess. That's the way I imagine it. It hurts. It doesn't hurt as much as they think it was, should hurt me, but it definitely hurts. Yeah, and uh, I guess it's going to be Berserker now. Yeah, I'm just going to do a power strike. Just guarantee their fall. Describe how you finish them off. Suddenly, Berserkir pushes back. They wrest the gr- the axe from the grasp of the other guy, slams him with the butt of the axe, and then just kind of bashes him down with the head, just knocking him to the ground, unconscious. So I don't think you can't get lower than a D4. No, no, that's not... Yeah, so they're out. I'm handing it off to who hasn't acted yet. I mean, there are two minions. It's the perfect treat for John Doe. Yeah, I think you're right, John Doe. You know what to do. <laughs> I mean, once again, it is time for John Doe to follow the ancient urgings of John Doe-ish people. And as he sees the smoke bomb goes off, he sees one guy who's like at the edge of the protective cloud. 
and using his hyper intuition, he just looks around. He's like, "Oh, that's where he is." Runs, grabs the dude. He doesn't do the normal full roll kick that he usually uses to throw people. He just grabs the dude and overhead throws him into the other guy. A three isn't great, but I'll take it. So tell me how this barely managed to throw them off their feet. I think the shirt on the guy he's going to throw rips early in the throw. He doesn't get quite the huck he wants. So it kind of just leads to a like easier recovery. And uh, because they already saw John Doe do this trick, they were a little more prepared for the potential of people getting thrown around. But I hate it. And I guess I'll pass to Astra. So what do you want them to do? Maybe see if we can focus fire to knock down these minions. Yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll all, they'll both swing. So Astra, still trying to recover from the impromptu shield, turns against the two Karkemadas that remain and tries to trap one of them by creating shackles from the debris, but there's something a bit too weak from her and she gasps voiceless as she loses control for a moment and it falters and they are able to break free but then Luna comes and actually rather than a telekinetic force improvised creates true shackles and uh, bondages one of the fascist dipshits so taking one of them out and they hand it over to Highwaymen I'm going to... Uh, I'm just going to attack one of the fascists. And I'm going to use my called shot, and I'm going to boost another hero. So I'm going to boost uh, John Doe as well. Okay, so I got a seven to the attack. That's enough. That ends the fight. Nice. Yeah, so just tell us how you execute the last fascist dipshit. I think this is just one of those things where, like, I kind of just, like, brake slide on the bike, whip out the rifle, and just, like... The only reason that it applies as a called shot, there is no aim time. There's no sighting it. He just like pulls the rifle, fires, and it it just connects just right at sort of the join between the shoulder, basically right under the collarbone. It's a 360 no scope. (laughs) Thank you, Brad. Because of the brake slide, it is in fact a 360 no scope. All right. Fight is over. Congratulations. You see the remaining tracks as they realize that uh, Half their loot is gone anyway. They just lost their superpower support. Their people inside, they were defeated. They are turning away. So do you want to chase after them or do something else? Or just congratulate yourselves on the victory? Do we need to chase after them? I love your mom. Oh no! I'm asking the I'm asking the other I'm asking the other players at the table. Thank you, Ludo. I know that you're not going to give me a straight answer on that one. I don't know what 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 are they what are Astra and Luna's orders like? Are they were they just to protect the train? If that, if their orders were to protect the train, then we have fucked that up for them in a pretty royally terrible fashion. Yeah, John Doe was just going to yell like, "Are we pursuing or no?" We told you, Luna says, grabbing Dingus back and petting the rat. We told you we were going to get you safely to Patagonia. That's where we have to go. If we were to fight a bit more, I'm not sure we could hold to that commitment. And she looks worried at Aster that is making a strong face, but it's pretty obvious that it took a lot of her. Well, all right. 
What do we do with these guys? Well, gonna find out what happened to the train conductors and the other people and gonna let them handle them. Considering that they are Karakimadas, uh, they must have committed countless war crimes, so uh, don't worry about what's gonna happen to them. That's actually uh, that's, that's a good enough answer for me by a lot. And honestly, can I just say, it's very refreshing having uh, someone else handle what's going to happen to the bad guys after we're done with them for once. That's usually sort of our purview, and it's always frustrating. I very much appreciate it. Thank you so much. That's a really nice change of pace. Yeah, and that's just signals, well, you're not on Chile anymore. That's, you know what? It's a great point. And yeah, y'all ever thought about, never mind. <laughs> there was a second where, where, where I was just like, y'all ever thought about moving, moving to Argentina? And then just like, no, no, we have stuff to do. All right. Highway man, you got any snacks in your uh, in your bag? Of course I have snacks. Absolutely. I'm just, Johnny pulls his backpack off and opens it. And it's like a it's not like a backpack in the traditional sense. It's like four flaps that fold together and like strapped. So there's basically it unfolds outward. And inside there are like just on each different flap and like the main facet of the backpack, there's just loops and stuff just like we might need this type supplies it's the most boy scout shit possible and there are several like little protein bars there's some trail mix in there you know all that kind of nonsense and uh yeah johnny just kind of opens that up and looks at john and just like pick your poison uh you don't have any compliados uh no 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 no, i do Uh, oh basically look looks like behind one of the little pouches and then he pulls out some some copiatos they're a little bit smushed but they're still delicious astra luna as john does carefully peeling it to open it uh peeling over the wrapping how are we gonna keep traveling how are you plan to continue the train uh, and they look at the train i don't think the train is gonna go anywhere me neither did we put a car on the train <laughs> No, we put your bike on the train. You're going to ride your bike through the marshlands? We can't ride the bike through the marshlands. We could if we rode it directly on the train tracks. I was about to say. Ask the same sensitive before signaling back. You know, I can take you to a road and then uh, fly you there. And from there, you go on your way. That'd probably be best. Thanks for that. Yeah, that might be sort of the most advantageous option. Yeah, we really do appreciate it. This is a lot of, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're going pretty well out of your way to help us out. Very much appreciated. No, 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 that's not a good move. And uh, Luna seems a bit angry. You're barely standing up. And she turns to the Carpinchos. I have a better idea. Mollyers. Uh, how about Astra carries the bike? And I'm going to give our little friends a little help. And we're going to ride them to the road. (laughs) Yes. Perfect. Yeah, all right. Yeah, and she uses her powers. And suddenly the Carpinchos, they start bulking up. And go to four times their already considerable size. Luna, I don't often say this to people. Mainly because, I mean, like, I said it to Berserk here, obviously. But... I have some serious power envy right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie. This is a uh, this is weird as hell. These things smell kind of funny, uh, but honestly, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool little little ability you got going on there. I'm a huge fan. All right. And anything before we cut scene? 
I'm just really so I'm so delighted that we are riding what we the Americans would call capybaras to the road. <laughs> just the idea of of all of us just on capybara backs. Yes. <laughs> is is just the best goddamn thing. We are I, I can afford it. We are the best superhero podcast. I I mean that's not that's just not debatable at this point. No other superhero podcast has ever had fighting fascists and riding capybaras in a single episode. Let alone in the same seat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like to imagine that this is where, like, they'd show a series of single panels of us just, like, asking for directions. With the capybaras in the background as children are staring out of them in awe. Knocking out a fascist border, like, patrol, or uh, not border patrol, excuse me, checkpoint. Like, all the little things you could really expect the three of us to do on our way to or from a place. Highwaymen fishing from atop a giant capybara. I don't know why I don't do this more like this more often. This is this is awesome. I just like Ludo. Is there any way that I could have taken down contact information? Was Astro the one who can who can make folks real big like that? Who can make the capybaras real big? Luna can make things big, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, is there any way I could have taken down her contact info? Ah, uh, yeah. That would be no problem. The thing is, you know, as inferior. Argento vibes, they don't have magic duplex machines. That's fine. Just like a mailing address would be okay. I just want to be able to send her a letter so that whenever we get back to Chile, do we have capybaras near where I live? Because I want to just, I want her to come and just make all of them giant near my house just so that I can, I can vibe with them. No, because it's on the other side of the end. Damn it. Yeah. You're denied capybara. All right. Just, I went on the big board of reasons to move to Argentina. That's another point. <laughs> he has a little notebook, and it's just at the top it says reasons to move to Argentina. Cool giant capybaras. Other people take care of the bad guys. Yeah, and uh, the thing that you. Uh, so, anyway, you get uh, an address, and uh, you know that uh, they are from Rosario of them okay i'm stupid is is that a city or city okay yeah it's on santa fe i think he would go to them and be like hey um i'm listen i'm sorry i snapped at you earlier it's just kind of a sensitive subject and i don't think you were i think you were talking about something different than i was talking about we were talking about sort of different conflicts and uh yeah and ultra mentioned yeah i don't know what you're going on about i was asking about i thought you were chilean I do not know you fought in any other war. No, no, no. I was, uh, I was sort of pushed into an American conflict, kind of not by choice, and I misunderstood. It's a bit of a sore subject, and and that's not your fault. I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have gotten onto you about that. And uh, Luna scoffs. Well, we kind of assume that. Is there any conflict that the Americans are not involved with? You know, if there is one, I'm not aware of it. That's. That's the goddamn truth. For what it's worth, I am sorry. And we very much appreciate your help just sort of on everything. Y'all have been really great, and we are thankful to have worked with you. It's fine. You know, for Americans, you're not that bad, but we can't expect it to defectors. But that was kind of my point asking. Why did you defect? Why did you have to make this, this war? You all think that the people that 
forces its own people to go to many wars that they don't want to be sacrifices to the machine of empire. You will think that the biggest act of uh, rebellion would be to stop fighting for any state. Yeah, you'd think, right? I don't know. It's just a... I don't know if it's just something in the makeup of being American, sort of being steeped in it the way I was. I've been fighting pretty much my entire life for one reason or another. And the big fight, the one that I kind of got forced into, that was uh, that wasn't a choice. And at that point, it was just fighting to be alive. I think now it's just a matter of trying to fight for the right reason. Yeah, I I didn't really involve myself with uh, the conflict you're referencing. I, I don't really have a lot of I didn't favor that particular war and I didn't want to be involved. And that's kind of yeah, that's uh, in some ways inaction on that one seems almost as insulting as picking a side. But I guess once you get to a certain point where you've been fighting for such a long time, it's only a matter of trying to fight the right way. Maybe I'm just old and bitter, but uh, I don't know. It's hard not to see everything as a little bit of a battlefield, you know? You can see worried glances between them, the two of them, and uh, you wonder what is going through their head. If they are seeing on you possible future or if they are beating you somehow... But you know that they have worried about something. I think I do see that, and I'm not going to ask what's in their heads because I don't think it's... I don't think Johnny would feel entitled to know or to ask, honestly. Um, But he does look at them and kind of say, y'all are great kids, and you got a pretty bright future ahead of you. I encourage you not to end up like this. Seems like you have good heads on your shoulders. Uh, Whatever you do, don't let let your perspective kind of end up where mine has. With that, I think he just doesn't really wait for much of a response. He just kind of tips his Stetson towards him, then goes and kind of just starts getting the bike set up to to carry the three of them to make sure that the two sidecars are suitably set up. So you have basically the question here is not now you're gonna get to Patagonia. The thing is, Patagonia has the same area as England, and that's where your clue ends. So, Highwayman, you fought Philip before, uh, but you fought him in space. But considering what you learned about him and your skill as tactician, and you know that is a purpose, or what do you think would be essential features about his base of operations? Well, that's a great question. I would need some clarifying information about him. So I need some clarifying information. Does, does this porpoise, dolphin, whatever, actually have to be in water? Or have his superpowers propelled him beyond the simple physiological needs of a regular dolphin? Uh, his superpowers are not that impressive. Basically, to move out of the water, he has to use technology. Gotcha. Uh, mostly, his superpowers is exactly knowing how to use a mech suit and being an extremely powerful close quarters combatant. Which again, a big limitation when outside of the mech suit, he's stuck in water. But if he gets close to you, you're going to have, well, you're going to get your sheep trick. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I imagine that a mecha suit like that, especially something that he would have used as a thing in space, probably emits either a very large or very specific energy signature, 
would that be the case or would that be would it just be like regular ass technology yes that will be the case so if to hide his base of operations we will need to be able to cover that so it will have to be a place that for some reason or another that is not going to be easily detected because otherwise you will have been able to pinpoint that exactly and go immediately there could I potentially, instead of looking for that specific energy signature, could I look for a? Could I basically build a like a a device that could look for instead of like that energy signature, the inverse, like an energy dead zone, something that's kind of like you know, like think like if I was looking at like a lead wall, it would block everything, right? So it would just appear as like fully black. I feel like that would be unusual as well for there to be just nothing there. Yeah. So you figured, yo, we. I mean, you don't need a machine to do that. That you will need a combination of high altitudes, of deep lakes, and ideally of volcanic activity to cover up that signs. So it will probably be on somewhere in Patagonia that has those features. Okay, I think then I would get out um, a map because I would definitely have one because of the whole the whole planning ahead thing. And I would try to look for a place in Patagonia that has kind of all three at once, just sort of the most likely spot. Yeah. And uh, so as you share this, as you go through the map and you mark different spots, John Doe, remember coming to Patagonia before? Oh. Oh, no. The question that I ask is, what do you remember doing here? Because you get this as soon as you get on the bike and get into the Pentagonian states, uh, you get a sense of familiarity that it sounds struck that uh, you came to Patagonia to do something. And uh, the general vibes, they start to get more concrete. And what are the, the vibes coalescing? John Doe, in the truest of former mysterious government spooks, was down here. He... What comes back to him are flashes of memories of him talking to I little John would know, I don't. Which one of the sides of this little civil war are more friendly to US interests? Well, they started to be pro the military, kid fascists, but after the RP kicked their asses, the Peronian government of Isabel Peron which is more central right and more nationalistic on another sense uh, they decided mm, yeah, kind of running a three ways war is not very good, so we're going to reinstate Isabel Baron and replace the brass of the military with people loyal to her aka loyal to the CIA and have kind of her be our representative there we kind of fucked up trying to remove her anyway and that's probably that was probably Kissinger's mistake so yeah so John Doe remembers being in Patagonia and specifically it's you know if you know what what you see is John Doe seeing himself in a suit classic black shades and very different haircut, very close trim instead of the more wild and eclectic cut he has now. Important reminder, because it's been over a month since we covered this. Remember, John Doe looks like Big Trouble in Little China era um, Kurt Russell. And he's going over with, at this point, because John Doe's been 
John Doe for a number of years, probably the fascist militia just, you know, helping here. This is a crate of uh, weapons, courtesy of Uncle Sam. Now, remember, boys, use them early, often and carefully. Do I need to go over how these things work for you? All right, let's go to. All right. So this is that's where they are. Um, Look, you guys have been you boys have been such troopers. Maybe we'll uh, redirect a bombing flight this way. Uh, You know what? Let me let agent. And when he goes to say his name, John Doe still can't remember that. Just a let agent help you. Don't worry. I'll take care of. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, you remember running guns for the fascists after Kissinger landed official American support to them. And you remember that you were running them across Puerto Madryn. So considering that, uh, you know, that you what you know from greater purpose is that they are a possedist, you know that they're probably going to be in territory that is controlled by the ERP or that, you know, it's not a place filled with fascist militias. So you see a bunch of the circles that uh, are being marked by highwaymen as possible sites for the base and because of this knowledge you are pretty sure that yeah that those those are not half of those sites are definitely not something that they would pick unless they would want to spend time fighting fascists uh, but the thing is how you communicate that to the rest of the group when John Doe has his memory flashback, he just kind of stares off into the middle distance for a minute. And in a moment that I don't think it's happened often, but with more and more revelations about his past coming, it it feels weird for Highwayman, especially because he's been with John for a long time. And it's still weird for Berserk here because he's never seen John like this. All of a sudden, John snaps back, but he's still wearing that sleazy gunrunner Persona, as he's like, hold on, hold on, Johnny. No, he's not going to be there. That's so and so controlled. He's not going to be there. That's so and so controlled. He's not going to be there. That's so and so controlled. He's not going to be there. That's so and so controlled. And that place is still really fucked up from a bombing, so it wouldn't have the industrial things he needs. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. Am I talking to somebody different? Who the what? What just happened to you? And as soon as that happens, John's back and just what? Hey, John, do you remember what you literally just said? Uh, yeah, yeah. I just told you that uh, they probably wouldn't be there, there, and there. Hmm. It seems like you might have just sort of snapped into maybe a little bit of who you used to be. Are you all right? Uh, yeah. I just I apparently was running guns down here for a while. Yikes! And it's clear that when when Highwayman says that, John again becomes that very slight nervous again. Just you have an extra bandana or something. I'm sweating up a storm here. Yeah, yeah, of course. He pulls a handkerchief out of the pocket of his duster and hands it to John. He's like, you can hang on to it if you need to. Yeah, uh, I'm. Yeah. starts nervously daubing sweat from his brow. Highwayman just kind of gives John sort of a, I mean, it, a gruff kind of pat on the shoulder as well as he can, you know, which is, I think, the most comforting gesture he knows how to make most of the time. But And then turns back to the map and just marks out all of the places that John have kind of zeroed out and sees what's left. So, Berserk, what is the most dissonance thing that you have looking from the weird way that Westerns map territory to the way that your people find their way across journeys? As you see, these two playing with their paper lines. Well, that is a tough question. I think seeing paper at all is odd. 
like most of the stuff that we had in the homeland was uh, either carved on wood, stone, or bone. Didn't have much access to p- paper since trees weren't that available. It was mostly tundra there. There were some trees, but just not enough to warrant, like, you might as well build a fire out of it, out of the wood, then make paper. So that's one of the weird things that Joachim has had to deal with, is the constant form of writing. Mostly we used... Oh, crap, I forgot what it was called. I know exactly what it is. It's the solar compass. We used that a lot, but that was it. The Nordic solar compass? Yeah. Is that the Vegdazir? to look it up. I just cannot remember the proper name for it right now. Mm. So you might be right. Mostly the way we had one captain of a, of a long ship, they did everything by taste of the water. Uh, and to play a prank, we put some chicken scat from one of the chicken coops. And of course, this was from Hildegard's chicken coop. And he was very confused on how we made it to Hildegard's chicken coop in the middle of the ocean. It's a bit puzzling how they expect to get anywhere without connecting with the land. And looking at whatever divination they are making on the map and the spirits around you, you start to feel a pull, the weight of destiny and power drawing you to certain northern lakes. And you start to get a very strong feeling of the of a direction where yeah this is it this is where we'll find this is where we are needed the spirits there are they are just as worried about their protector as we are and they are calling for us to give the assistance that they cannot yeah um i think right here and i just point to uh, where i get the sense direction I get the feeling that way. Which way is that way on the paper map thing? And you cross the lines and you figure that uh, okay, they are pointing about a point somewhere very close to the border with Chile. And the last, there seems to be a lot of smaller settlements that are not even on the road map. And uh, the only settlement that is there on your map, uh, close enough, is Bariloche. So you figure that uh, San Carlos de Bariloche should be your next destination from where you can actually start your investigation, pinning it down to a more manageable area that you know that is not like the whole of England. Well, I'm a man. If you think that's uh, where we should go. I guess between your uh, sort of unlocked memories and Mr. Kier's expertise on the land, my understanding of where this mech suit would be hidden, that's probably the best spot, right? Looks like it. Now we just got to find a spot in there where a porpoise would be comfortable. Now, to be fair, I don't know if comfort is particularly sort of the issue here. Perhaps uh, he might be suspending comfort in the name of whatever messed up ideas he's looking to sort of execute here. Well... I guess uh, Leon, Leon, Brave McDuff. Only one way to find out. Now, now, hang on. Do you remember Shakespeare from before or from now? What's Shakespeare? Asked and answered. Uh, one of the hippie guys I I uh, used to uh, busk with used to say that a lot. Right. Gotcha. All right. Uh, how do you feel about uh, how do you feel about live theater? Just I'm talking about you. Sort of gut check. I I, I think I like it. 
Okay. All right. I, I'm, I'm going to take you to see some shows sometime. All right. Here's a fun fact about uh, Highwaymen. He's a huge, he's a huge fan of, uh, of live theater. No one knows that. That's, that's, that's off camera information for the most part. Secret trading card fact about Highwaymen. Yeah. It's like so far what we've established is that Highwaymen really likes live theater and also poetry. Just big enjoyer of the arts. Yeah. Like Highwaymen is genuinely the most rough and tumble sensitive soul. Yeah. Just fully, just a very cultured individual. So you get on your way to Bariloche and it immediately hits you that uh, this is a tourist location. And uh, you can see even at this time of the year, there is a bunch of snow in the mountains nearby. It is pretty cold. And you're surprised that you you hear a lot of uh, German and Italian alongside uh, Spanish. And... uh, you need to figure out how to navigate the geography and you go to the hotel central where I try to get some information. I'm really puzzled at how the hotel, it really looks like something that you would see on an Austrian city. It's really like the type of Grand Imperial hotels that, uh, uh, you know, they metastize it across the Balkans. And uh, you are consulting the maps there you receive a transcript of a call from uh, the receptionist. Aluna called. She left a message for you. Yeah, all right. Go ahead. What'd she say? And you read the note. And, uh, hey, I talked about about you to the Exército Revolutionary. And uh, I did not... Don't worry, I did not mention that you are Chilean. I told you that... Uh, you are doing some work on Patagonia, and uh, you will not believe it. There is uh, an anti-fascist hero that is also in Patagonia, and uh, I arranged a meeting with them. Just meet with them at this place, and uh, it gives you a name of a cafe at some point in this afternoon in Bariachi. I'm sure that they will be able to help you. Thoughts, everybody? That sounds good to me, but... So you have this uh, suggestion, but uh, now that you have the maps, uh, you are pretty sure about the place. You see one of the settlements there, which seems to be a tiny village that uh, it's labeled on the map as Kenok Wawari, which seems to be a village close to the lake that seems to be base of greater uh, purpose. So you figure that if you go to Kenok Wawari, you will also be able to find it on your own. But uh, Luna, it seems that Luna contacted the Exército Revolutionario and the Exército Revolutionary told, hey, there is this hero that uh, is in Patagonia. Uh, if the people that uh, are talking are doing something there, maybe they want to coordinate efforts. What do y'all think? Ah, uh, yes. Go, go, go ahead, Berserker. Let me interrupt you. Well... Friend would prefer to get local support. Like, it's always nice to have, like, the permission of the local populace to, you know, maybe accidentally destroy some stuff, because you know that's going to happen. I mean, we couldn't even protect a goddamn train. However, Berserkir wouldn't probably... Re- well, maybe maybe they would. I don't... Well, luckily, Ani's going to voice the probably a, a good idea. We'll meet up with them and see if what they know, make sure that we're not walking into, like, you know, where they locked up some terrifying irradiated giant monster accidentally. Or any of the million or what other freaky things it could be. 
Yeah, that particular eventuality had actually not occurred to me, so that seems good. I mean, you ever been to Monster Island? I can't say that I've been to Monster Island, no. Me neither. I don't even know if it's real. It's actually a peninsula. Ah! <laughs> I'm joking. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Monster Island sounds real. Uh, who knows? But, uh... It probably is. It is, it is now. I'm always distinctly worried about what people lock up. Fair, understandable, respectable. Is Monster Island part of the same chain of magical islands that Berserkia is from? I hope so. <laughs> it's one of the many islands. Don't know. There's, there are, there are so many magical islands, like mysterious islands that just like there's Chill Vibes Island and then Monster Island. Yeah, I think we should meet up with the local guy. It's always nice to have someone who knows the lay of the land. Yeah, I'm into it. Uh, yeah, I guess we try to head towards that. So you meet to the meeting place, Cafe Paradiso, and uh, you see sitting on the corner an elderly gentleman. You see that he has green eyes and a wild and white hair that contrasts with the spotted skin. And he seems uncannily fit and seems almost ready to burst off his well-trimmed suit. Question. Uh, at a level 1 to 10, what is his gilf level? Uh, 11. <laughs> yes. Damn, that's high. And he seems to be enjoying playing with an espresso cup. You know that he's already sparred three cups of sugar, but seems to be enjoying himself too much playing with watching it disappear. That uh, at some point it's just going to become syrup, but uh, he seems delighted. And uh, that is not the reaction that uh, John Doe is having. John Doe, you remember fighting this guy. And every single neuron is firing and telling you that this is an extremely dangerous person. You have memories of fighting this man. You have memories of Operation Gladio, of uh, the Americans supporting the fascists on their takeover of Italy. And you remember fighting this guy and barely surviving. What do you remember that they almost completely obliterated you? I think, once again, it's another full flashback of this old guy with this same jittery, hyper-energy just beating John Doe like a dish rag, using some... And like The worst part is, because it's those memory flashes, John Doe just sees a block that isn't fast enough and a punch that is dodged effortlessly. And the only reason John Doe gets out of it is Dr. Bashir teleporting the dude away. And so John Doe just again to Joachim and Highwayman, he just calmly guys. Yeah. You know how sometimes I run into people and I know them? I have encountered this before, yes. And sometimes those people have a real negative opinions of me because of the old me? I have encountered that as well before, yes. Me and this guy have definitely had a fight and he whooped my ass. Do you think he's going to try and kick your ass immediately upon seeing you? I hope not. I also hope not. That would sort of be uh, antithetical to what we're trying to get done here. Uh, but look, you're getting a vibe completely off. Uh, where everyone is seeing a gilf, you're getting a very different vibe. Somehow you're getting the energy of uh, young hunters after they go into a very successful hunt and they come all braggadocious and they kind of have to be humbled 
that's the vibe that you're getting from this guy, or to put it in other terms. He does not read like the wise mentor type. He is like a freaking shonen protagonist to you. Oh no, this is even more oh no. I don't know, this guy does look like he needs a good ass kicking. With this information and looking closer, recognition hits you, Highwayman. Okay, I was really hoping so. It sounds like I was the only one who didn't have a thought on this dude. This is a legend. This is George Toscana. He is an Italian superhero that almost single-handed stood against U.S. efforts to install a fascist regime in Italy. He was infamous for defeating the Gladio backed legionnaire, so-called fascist superhero, cherry-picked by America from Bostonite communities to go back to Italy and uh, lead the efforts. And they just took them and they were infamous for no matter all the massive superpowers that the legionnaire have, George Toscana just withstood anything without even a side glance and basically outstamina the fascist. And not only he is a legend, you assume he was dead. Because again, he fought fascists on World War II already. And in fact, it's pretty terrifying because you being pretty sure that he was dead is why you dismissed the rumors that he was involved on the Moon Wars. That people talked about George Toscana working for the Soviets and a lot of mysterious incidents on the Moon Wars. People called them Toscana incidents because they believed that this one person operative just took whole units out. But you know how dangerous space is, how accidents happen, how disposable troops work for the Americans. You never paid off that uh, an old, dead World War II hero will be the cause for that. But uh, yeah, now that you heard the other two talk about him and you're looking closer, you're pretty sure this is George Toscana. And now you wonder, was he actually there on the moon? Was any truth to the rumors? Not only do I wonder that if you said, do I know for a fact he was working on the side of the USSR? No, that was a rumor. Okay. Because that will be the justification for him to be on the... Basically, part of the legend is, oh, he's working for the Soviets. Uh, he's seeking revenge because the US turned on Italy with Operation Gladio. And now that uh, the European Union and the alleged socialist milk-toast central corrupt governments are in power, they have nothing to lose. And now they are seeking revenge about the Americans. And you heard about similar things about other wars. So, of course, you heard about similar legends on the Moon War. If Toscana's not actually, like, looking at us right now, I would quickly sort of just relay, like, everything I did just realize about him as much as I can, just to kind of explain who he is to the others. Zerkir is going up to him right now. Oh, well, yeah, I don't think I would try to stop Zerkir, so... John just looks at that highwayman, shrugs. I guess so. <laughs> just follows Mr. Kier over. Yeah, and he seems impressed, and uh, it has this shit-hitting green. Wow, I'm not your tall one. Thank you. Are you the one that uh, was arranged for by the small Luna? The one who controls animals, I believe? Is that right? I would say the right power. So, uh, talking about the, the, the young lady from the ERP? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm with the ERP. I'm passing on the country, and they figured, well, 
if you are not doing anything, could you shake up on this fascist down south? And uh, yeah, always up for some favor. Okay. I hear from my friends you are very strong. I would definitely like to uh, test that. And I put my hand out like uh, arm wrestling on the table. Clear it off if need be. Yeah, and his eyes just shine with glee. He does not even say anything. Uh, not bad. Oh, uh, I'm going to say this is going to be... You can win, but uh, the table will not survive. So you either tie... And eventually have a boat to agree to let go. Or you're going to win, but you're going to destroy the table. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a very memorable thing. And uh, probably people are not going to like. Yeah. Am I able to see kind of that tipping point before it happens? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you see the espresso cup just starting to shake and uh, go all the way to the border and come down crashing but nobody notices that the cup fell but you can see the whole table vibrating you can hear the wood of the chairs lamenting i think i would try before they can smash it at least to gently just say you know we may not want to make a uh, very obvious scene in here i know y'all are both strong but maybe you can pick it up later and I, I, I think I will look at him and just uh, draw. Yeah, draw. Three, two, one. Yeah, and you pull out and uh, you can see he's disappointed. Uh, I have no doubt that you have the strength, but uh, you need more than strength when uh, you all need to last towards it. And uh, you need to use your power in a way that does not make paper out of the world. Like, say, destroying half of a train in an effort to save it. I mean, to be technical, it was the fascists who destroyed most of the train. Of course they did. That's what fascist does. But I'm not here to lecture you. I'm only stating a fact. Accidents happen. You cannot accomplish some anti-fascism without breaking some hacks. By the way, it's, uh, it's nice to meet you again. I'm John Doe. I have no memories of who I was. Please do not attack me. And John Doe, like, nervously extends his hand to shake. I'm George Toscana, but you might know me as Bordergar. Yeah, we met once when I was someone else. At least once. Well, we are on the same side here now, so everything's fine, right? I think so. We would have discussed this before. How much are we going to tell him? Are we going to tell him everything? Philip's depressed and that he needs some help, and that's we're basically just a superhero wellness check? I mean, I guess my question is... What would be the negative consequence of us telling him stuff? Is it just that he flips out and goes to try to kill Philip? Well, and remember, we're still operating on the assumption Philip might have the power to split the atom. His bodyguard, he's working here as a favor to Matryoshka, and he's a Soviet operative. Right. Well, we don't know that, do we? I don't know. How much do you know or suspect that? Considering what has happened. Berserkier doesn't suspect nothing. I mean, I think I would at least be mildly suspicious of that, considering what I know about the Moon War and now knowing that there is some level of possibility he was actually involved. I think I might make that assumption. So I probably. And you know that the Soviets are working with the RP, you know, that Matryoshka was not for sure here alone. So. Right, 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 right. There's a lot of things that uh, make the shape of things. Yeah. I would probably be a little bit hesitant to just tell him everything then. Well, then for OPSEC, 
uh, using the technical term. They, honestly, I think the need to know things for him would be that we're basically here just to do a wellness check because Philip seems depressed and he put out a call to us. Yeah, I think I don't think we need to mention any other secrets of it. Yeah, I think that's what I would share is just we're we're, we're concerned about a super powered individual and we want to make sure they're OK so that nothing bad happens to because of them for that matter. Is that fair? Does that seem like a fair thing to say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now that we've done all this discussion, remind me, what was the actual phrasing of the question so that I can respond to it correctly? It wasn't a question. It was just, we're on the same side. And before John jumped into being like, so what we're here about, I wanted to. Yeah. But also it fits Highwayman more to explain that. Johnny is just like, yeah, there's a, uh, we got a call from sort of an old acquaintance who's having a bit of a tough time. We're kind of here doing a wellness check. They're, an enhanced individual, so we're, uh, you know, just concerned about their well-being. We don't want anything bad to happen to them or, or because of them, honestly, because, you know, powers are heavy stuff. I don't know if there would technically be a question attached, really, honestly. Well, we all have busy schedules. It makes perfect sense. Uh, you know, I'll just help you as much as I can, then uh, leave you going your way. What do you need for me? I think we've pinpointed where our where Philip is. I personally think we just like an escort to make sure we don't freak out any locals or upset anyone and to make sure that we're not walking into like a place where you'd store like a radioactive monster or something. Yeah, so I guess mostly just intel. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty good at intel. I usually linger around the place enough to pick a tinker or two. And, you know, there are many Italians here, so... What do you need to know? Anything specific? Or do you want me to just go off about all the things that I have heard on the field days? I mean, certainly just sort of a general reporting of the situation would probably be a good start. Oh, the general report of the situation is that, uh, well, communist one. This is not a sustainable war. Isabel Perón has power in a few cities. ERP has control of most of the country. The fascists, they are lashing out because they don't have anything to lose. And uh, don't think I'm underestimating them, but they are, can cause a lot of harm and uh, ruin the lives of many people. But uh, geopolitically, they are gone. It's We are going through the inevitability of victory. Now is the moment that Argentina must decide what it wants to be place in the world and decide if they're going to pressure Peron to turn to the left or to embrace the immortal science of Marxism-Leninism and join the Comintern. Those are the two options. That's the rest is, well, it's mopping up, finishing up writing history, as they say. Our work here is mostly done and we have to move to the next fight. Politics are all well and good and that's, you know, on a personal level, I'm invested in that idea, but uh, I was more thinking of just like anything unusual, anything sort of super powered or, you know, any strange activity lately. Have you looked around, Bariloche? I mean, there's not much to be weird here. This is a little corner of paradise. I guess that is some unusual activity. There were some weird lights on the skies a few days or weeks ago, but that's it. The people come here to seek refuge from the war. And for the most part, it remained untouched. It's not the same on the rest of Pentagonia, but here this close to the border. In fact, the problem is another. People fear Chileans here. They 
they think that uh, now that uh, things are calming down, that uh, one way or another, Chile is going to take over of the country, that uh, they're going to become, uh, well, a subsidiary of uh, the towns on the border on the other side, that uh, somehow the evil Chileans are going to take over. <laughs> well, I can assure you that's probably not really on the docket for the Chileans. Rest of the gang, what do we need to be asking here? So we're going to be heading to this location. Is there anything major we should worry about? Oh, uh, how's we are Welsh? I don't know. I don't, I don't speak it. Hmm. How's your Mapuche? What are the chances that I would speak Mapuche? I don't know. Tell me honestly. If it's spoken in Chile, I probably have a little bit. A very small amount. Uh, John Doe might have some that he'll rattle into, but it might be the wrong dialect. It'd be a memory language, like uh, like South African, from when he was running guns here. But it might also be like nine or ten phrases. Uh, where were those strange lights located? Was it about here? And points where... Yeah, well, I don't know if the people there saw it, but I can tell you the people on Bariloche saw it for sure. Yeah, uh, so... When did they happen? I told you a few days or weeks before. Nothing exactly sure. Does this coincide with the, the just before or around the time the message? Uh, no, but more or less with the invasion of Lord Durax. Yeah. Oh, uh, the aliens. Oh, okay. I think, unfortunately, your friends at the ARP might know better because the rumor is that uh, they took down an alien spaceship. That might be related. Yeah, that'd be kind of crazy if that had happened anyways. Yeah, we speak a little bit of Jay. Well, that's not going to help you much because, uh, you see, the people from this village, they are Welsh Teolche. They are from the native people that uh, they survived both the Mapuche and the Spanish invasion. And uh, the only people that they really dealt with was Welsh settlers. And you'll find a lot of, uh, well, you may find more people that speak Welsh here than uh, on the British Isles, and the people here, they seem to have somehow accepted the Welsh into there. And uh, they continue to live the way that they have lived for a long time. And they have some permanent village there near this lake. They are probably the people that know most about the place, but uh, communicating with them can be pretty difficult. And language is only one of the obstacles. And he turns to Berserkir. But I get the feeling that your friend here might have no problems understanding their ways, even if they are a world apart. Probably not. I Yeah, because it's been established that I translate via magic. Cause that's the only way it would work. Yeah, but uh, he's not thinking more of, you know, well, you're also from a non-capitalist conquered people. So you're probably going to have something in common. Yeah. I think Johnny would just kind of be like, it's good to know. We'll kind of make a, as far as getting into the village, Berserk here, we're kind of going to put you in the lead. That all right? Oh boy. It'll be fine. You're going to do, you're going to do just fine. Yeah, but again, why won't you go bother these poor people? Don't you think they have not suffered enough? Just having to deal with uh, the occupation of the Chilean and Argentina state. I mean, the short answer is almost certainly yes. You're right about that. So. I hope that it's clear we wouldn't be here bothering anybody if it wasn't a matter of pretty dire concern. Again, you know, 
the uh, acquaintance in question is enhanced in their own right. And so we need to kind of make sure that they aren't a risk to sort of the greater area. Will this acquaintance be uh, an Argentinian citizen? I guess sort of. Sort of? I mean... Do they have dual citizenship or something? That still means they are a citizen of Argentina. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they are They are an Argentinian citizen. Uh, the short version, or the short answer to that question is yes, they are. Well, that should not be a problem after all. People are quite blind to when uh, violence is done uh, by the representatives of a state against their own people. That should not be a problem. It's not like you are the representatives of another state. As you told me, you are working with DRP. There's definitely a moment of eyes locking and he knows. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, we already mentioned to you, it's not violence. We're just here to check up on someone. Yeah, I mean, we're not really looking for a fight of any kind, honestly. But, uh... Yeah, but they're forgetting something really important. What's that? What if you encounter someone that is definitely looking for a fight? And you can sense the tension rising in the air as the unspoken threat lingers. Well, I'd say that we have important things to deal with and that if this person wants to fight, we can fight any other time in the world. Yeah, I mean, like, we'd really rather not kind of get into it. We'll, you know, today's kind of not the day for that. Our thing, our concern here is our friend and their well-being. We're not, we would appreciate being given the opportunity to sort of prioritize that. Makes sense, makes sense. But uh, you're going to have to live unless you plan to live uh, in Kenokwari. You're not going to finish what you are here to do and just teleport away, are you? Not teleport necessarily, but I mean, kind of the intention is very much that we are going to finish what we're here to do and then leave pretty immediately. Leave only footprints. Yeah, I mean, we're not planning on like hanging out and messing with stuff. Want to get involved in that dust up on the train? Just some people needed help. Yeah, and I think that should teach you how things are going to work out here. You will not be able to live untouched. You will not be able to leave these lands without having caused an impact on it. The very least that you should do is be aware of the fact that things are going to happen, no matter what your intentions are. Well, I mean, it's a strong point. It's well made. We kind of sort of assume the eventuality always exists that something could come up. But, you know, we like to be uh, optimistic. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the right way to put it. We're trying to keep sort of a a sort of a fresh faced, sort of generally friendly kind of demeanor here. We're not interested in any more conflict than is absolutely necessary. So unless you have any other travel tips for us, uh, thanks for your time. But I guess we'll get out of your hair. Step away. Ah, you should go. Yeah. It seems that uh, what you have to do is very urgent and on the best interest of everyone. But uh, remember, we, and by we, I mean me and our friends on the RP, we are very interested in celebrating your success. So carry on, but uh, we're going to beat again. Well, I hope that when we do, you and Bezerk here have a, uh, an arm wrestling match to, to sort of resolve. So yeah, maybe we can just sort of settle things that way. Indeed. I will not let you leave Argentina with matters unresolved. So very kind of you. And he finally noticed that his cap of express is on the floor and uh, he seems disappointed. Well, seems like when you have to accept some disappointment in your life. Ciao, ragazzi.
Well, you know, on the uh, subject of disappointment in life, you know, the nice thing about disappointments is sometimes it's relatively easy to rectify them. And uh, as Johnny goes to leave, I think he orders another espresso over to that guy's table just to, you know, as a uh, gesture of as a gesture for goodwill. And as soon as we're out of yeah, non-superpowered ear shot, I'm going to look over at Johnny, John Doe, just a very serious look on his face like, so uh, how much you want to bet we end up having to fight him before we get out of here? A lot of money, a whole, like, I, I mean, it was practically rippling off of him. He's spoiling for a fight. I would definitely not take those odds. <laughs> and if my memory serves correct, which it usually does, it's going to hurt. Yeah, I would like to uh, avoid that if at all possible. Honestly, if if it comes down to it, if there's a way to get Philip on our side for that particular confrontation, that might be a good idea. That mech suit of his is going to be pretty useful. For- He's got a mech suit? Philip, yeah, he's got a mech suit. What? You didn't know that? I didn't tell you that. No. Oh, yeah, he's got a big dolphin mech. That's how he gets around. I've never... Look, I've met a couple of sentient animals in my time, but no dolphins. So this is a whole new ballgame. Oh, yeah, that's how, he, uh, that's how he navigates sort of the ground the ground area, you know. That's, that's fucking cool. Well, I mean, it's fine. Um, you know, he's used this to do a lot of really irritating shit, so... Well, that's I understand, but it's still pretty cool. The mechanics of it are. Yeah, the mechanics of it are pretty cool. Uh, But, you know, pearls before swine. Let's kind of focus up here. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Let's get a let's ride up in the way we have to go. I really don't want to fight him again. I really don't want to fight him a first time. I heard some stories. Well, I mean, they were mostly rumors about sort of stuff on the moon. They were calling these things. uh, They called them Toscana incidents. I kind of assumed it was more of a reference to. Uh, the guy's track record rather than uh, him as a person. But now that I know he might be sort of in league with the Soviets, good chance that he was taking out entire sort of platoons uh, up there on the moon. And all of those were pretty powerful folks. I mean, we're talking about a lot of enhanced up there too. So if it comes down to it, he is going to hand us our asses pretty comfortably. Even if we beat him, I don't think it's going to be an easy victory. So uh, having a big mech suit on our side might be a good idea. Yeah, I, I second that. Crimson Gold Agonies is an associate of Court Games and D20 Radio. Joaquin Jarve, aka Berserkir, is played by Brent Torreson. They can be found at Copper Credit almost everywhere. Check out their other podcasts, Splinters of Jade and L5R Thriller Actual Play. They are available for editing work. Message them for rates. Johnny Jennings, aka The Highwayman, is played by Sam Sedlachter. They can be found at SGCA Delaysec on Instagram and Young Space Dead on Twitter. They are largely impressive. John Doe is played by Bradley Hainler. You can follow him at Judge the Barbarian on Twitter or as co-writer on Split Roll, where he screams his opinions at you. Ludo handles the rest. You can find them at The Lettel and more of her stuff as Agonizing Crimson at Itchio or co-writing Split Roll. Sentinel Comics RPG is the property of Greater Than Games and designed in collaboration with Critical Hits. 
Crimson Gold Agonies is possible through the support of listeners like you. You can support us on Patreon or even better, you can review us on iTunes and you can spread the word because there is no better way to get into a podcast because a friend told us about it. 